Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider free podcast, a service, of course, of Julie Williams' free VoiceOver Insider. For industry news, tips, and information, be sure to subscribe at www.voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Paul O'Connor, here to introduce our host, Julie Williams. What's coming up on the podcast today? Shanna Pennington Baird is our guest today, Paul, and she is the director of the Seattle Voice Institute and a voiceover artist as well, of course. And 18 years ago, Shanna bent her vocal cords after performing for six shows consecutively singing without breaking um, and then uh, teaching kids theater during the day. So for six weeks, she ended up not speaking at all. And then for nine months, she wasn't able to sing. And after healing without any kind of surgery, she's gone on to a long career in, in audiobooks, promo, commercial voiceovers, e-learning, musical theater, and teaching vocal health. Shauna trains people from all walks of life to breathe properly, warm up, and keep their voices healthy for life through altering three very small methods that she'll be talking about, methods of vocalizing, which felt very large at the time. She successfully changed the way she spoke, and now she can handle a full day that could include teaching four or five hour-long coaching sessions, a three-hour voiceover gig, and sing that night in a rehearsal every single day. For voiceover artists that are feeling the strain or have to voice video game animation type characters that are really tough on the vocal cords, her techniques can help immediately. The Seattle Voice Institute, founded in uh, 2015 by Shauna Pennington Baird and Jen Hammond, has a couple of recording studios and a small workshop space. SVI coaches voiceovers, uh, singing also, audition technique, and they've got a free online resource page with all kinds of great information for vocal help. Shauna, what's the webpage for that free vocal help information? SeattleVoiceInstitute.com. And at the top, you click on free resource page. Well, that's pretty easy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you. So what does it mean that you bent your vocal cords? So I got a degree in theater, musical theater, and went on tour uh, with Missoula Children's Theater right outside of college, did about a thousand shows, came to Seattle, did show after show after show. And if you don't rest your vocal cords or support correctly or have small, tiny issues, if you don't take care of them, your vocal, your vocal cords, they swell. And they swell enough, they can create little bumps. Those bumps are called nodes. And nodes can eventually callus and either permanently ruin your cords or you have to have surgery. Whoa. Yeah, my nodes were caught. I was at a show at Village Theater up here in Seattle. And they basically said when I was scoped by an otolaryngologist who could hear the problem, he said, if you sing this show, you'll never sing again. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so. Pretty good incentive I, there immediately took correction and did not have to have surgery. All I did was, was study with a speech therapist. And I am not a speech therapist. I'm a performer who's been hurt and is now incredibly dedicated to making sure that other people don't get hurt. And then for myself too, I want to have a long career. And having had a sports injury, basically, with my vocal cords, I'm very, very sensitive to anything I do and things I hear other people doing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, how we as voiceover talents can protect our vocal cords. And Shauna, with the stuff we're going to talk about today, um, I have heard that with something called speech level singing, and I'm not sure if that's what you do or not, I, I typically have like a two hour 
time frame for audiobooks. And after that, I start to sound tired. I start to sound a little hoarse and I have to stop. Can you extend that with these techniques to maybe like five or six hours? Yeah, definitely four to five hours easily. And then if you have to do any kind of action sounds for a video game, then you'd want to do maybe 45 minutes of that to an hour and then have a long break. Mm -hmm. I would say the longest, healthy, warmed up, supported session would be between four to six hours and not much more than that. Opera singers always have the day after a show off and sports folks also, they take care to warm up. And then they also warm down. And I doubt that many voiceover artists are thinking about warming down after a session. Okay, so let's talk about warming up and then tell me about warming down. Sure. So the very first thing you want to do is make sure that you are breathing and supported. And that means taking a couple of minutes to really access diaphragmatic breath. So most adults, by the time they hit about third grade, we all start breathing in our chests. It's called clavicle breathing. It's totally normal. If you put one hand on the belly, one hand on the chest, it tends to rise and fall up in the chest. Where we want to breathe as voiceover artists is diaphragmatically way down deep in the belly, just like we would if we were singing. It's really no different. And if you take those big diaphragmatic breaths, letting the belly come out, and then we have so much air down there, we've got more clay to play with. We can breathe longer. We won't flag at the end of sentences and run out of air. We can talk and talk and talk if we have lots of air in our bellies. Will it otherwise change our sound? No, um, not at all. It can make it deeper. It can make you more resonant. Uh-huh. But all it's going to do is give you more clay to play with as a voice artist because you have so much more air in there and you won't flag out at the end mm-hmm. or fry out at the end. Okay, and uh, what about warming down. I have to tell you, I have never warmed down for a voiceover session. Sure, we'll do both. So the breathing's first. And then for warm-ups, I recommend trilling, which is the all of that sounds. Humming is great. Any kind of singing, tongue twisters, all that stuff to get the face warmed up. Then warming down, there are three things I do. One, I do humming. So let's say I do a video game and I'm really tired in the car. I'll do And then there's a great one, which is hung, e, ah, H-N-G, e, and then ah, making sure you don't hit the G hard. So it sounds like this. And again, you wouldn't have to sing those, but it's just letting those chords relax from the top down. Because typically when we're, when we're using those vocal chords, we're coming from the bottom up. We want to let them relax from the top down. We could be more trills. And if you do that for five minutes following a long session, your chords will thank you for hours. So specifically, hang yi ya is what targets the top down in the vocal cords? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it doesn't let you... It doesn't let you push them because, again, we don't want to do more work with those cords. They're ti- the folds are tiny, little, white, very sensitive. Um, they're tiny. And so we want to make sure that we just gently let them rub against each other. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. Let's them just sort of relax, which is what we'd want to do if we were warming down our bodies, letting our muscles relax. The cords aren't muscles, but they're attached to muscles. And we want to just let them come down after a session. You know, it's so funny because, you know, as a third degree black belt and a century, you know, cyclist, I understand the concept of warming down uh, physically. You know, Mm -hmm. after you do 100 miles on the bike, you kind of need to walk around a little bit and 
and after you do a tournament at black belt level, you know, you want to walk around again a little bit and get your heart rate back down again. But it never occurred to me to warm down after a voiceover session, even a very long one. And I've been mm -hmm. doing this for 38 years and I've never warmed down. It's incredible, especially after screaming sessions, action sounds. For me, if I've been singing for singing really hard stuff, that's when I have to warm down. Or if I have one of those crazy days where I'm actually using my voice for eight to 10 hours, which isn't every day, but when I have to, I warm down. And the other thing I add to that is steam. And most folks don't think about it, but personal steam inhalers, they're about $35 on Amazon. They have to be the kind that plug into the wall. Can't be the cheap VIX one that's 10 bucks, but these $35 plug-in steam inhalers, you put your face in those and you just breathe the steam into your, into your lungs, into the, into the vocal cord area. It's like a spa treatment for your vocal cords. And I do that in the mornings if I'm sick or if I'm tired and I do it at night after a hard session and it works better than any kind of medication, any kind of throat coat. It is the healthiest way to let your cords relax. It seems like it would take a lot of discipline to do that for me, but at the same time, when you have had to not even speak for six week, weeks mm -hmm. and then not sing for nine months as a singer, I guess that's enough motivation to get you to have that kind of discipline, huh? I, I walk around with my steam inhaler. I, I have had one for 22 years and I love it. And it's, it's my best friend. So. so how would, if someone didn't have a steam inhaler, I mean, I've never even seen one. Uh, if somebody were to boil water on the stove, put a towel over their head, you know, the thing that people tell uh, you to do if you're sick and inhale the steam that way, would that work just as well? No, it would work. You'll get some steam in there, but what's nice about the personal steam inhalers is it actually targets, there's a little face cradle you put your mouth on. So all of that concentrated steam goes immediately to your voice and to your vocal track. So it's quicker. So I only spend a minute. Once you've plugged it in and it starts boiling, I, maybe 90 seconds is as long as I spend with my face in the cradle. Uh, and so if you do it over the stove, you can do it, especially if you're sick and it will have some benefit, but the really concentrated ones are the ones that'll help quickly and you'll spend less time. And where can somebody buy that? And what exactly would it be called that they can find it? You are amazon.com is where I bought my latest one. And I typed in personal steam inhaler, about six of them popped up. The one that's purple is the one I really like. And I think, I can't remember the company that makes it, it starts with an M, uh, but they're about 35 bucks, no more than that. And I've had at least seven or eight students buy them. And we and came back and said, you weren't kidding. That was great. So. Okay. So what, what if uh, I've had this happen a, a number of times. In fact, when I was living in San Antonio, every October and April, um, there would be, I guess, some sort of allergens. What would happen is I would get a cold. I'd be really sick. The cold would go away and my voice would be gone for six weeks. Yeah. Um, very, very hoarse. And there was one client that said, call me when that happens. I love that beautiful raspy sound. <laughs> for the most part. Right. He's <laughs> replicating work, it. You know? So um, what can somebody do if, you know, I don't know if it's, I mean, if I guess it's a cold and then allergies, I, I don't know. Yeah. What can somebody Swelling do? on the cords. Yeah. Any, anything that causes swelling on the cords, which can be any kind of drainage. So drainage from cold allergies, just those two things are things that really inflame the cords. And what happens is those cords, they swell up a little bit. And that's what causes that really awesome raspy sound because we have extra air on our cords. And so it sounds, oh, typically we drop in, in pitch and that extra rasp, but we, as, as they heal, they'll go back to where they were. And if we keep using swollen cords, nodes can develop, especially if you're doing it on the same note. So if one person talked right here all the time on this exact note, with swollen cords, that's what tends to create nodes. 
So I actually promised an otolaryngologist years ago, I would not sing when I'm sick. But using the steam inhaler has been able to reduce the swelling. So in the morning when I get up and do it, and I don't do it every day, but if I have allergies, I get up, I take my allergy meds. I don't use Afrin because it dries up my nose too much, but I'll take my allergy meds, which is Claritin, then I'll steam and let the swelling go down. And that enables my voice to be normal even when I have allergies. And up here in Seattle, I have allergies February through July. Ooh. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm okay. I'm do, but I do take Claritin every day. I stay on top of it. I don't let the swelling happen. So if somebody, and this is a little bit off topic here, if somebody wanted that raspy sound and doesn't normally have it, I found that I'm a little bit more raspy first thing in the morning. Like, especially mm-hmm. if I got up the other day, I did an audition at 4.30 a.m. because I thought a raspy sound would be really good for that one. Why are we more raspy in the morning? And is there anything we can do if we consciously want to have a raspy sound or would that be damaging to the voice if we don't naturally have one? I don't necessarily teach it, but there are, there are groups of people who do teach frying. And there's this wonderful thing called, it's called harsh glottal fry. And glottal fry is this cool sound we can make with our voices like this. Um, and to do a little bit of glottal fry, it also you can also rasp out your voice a lot more going deep, especially in the morning. What you're doing in the morning is your voice is still a little bit swollen, not swollen bad, but it's not warmed up yet. And as we warm up, then the, the cords can lengthen and we get more, uh, more pitch variation and that we have that, that truer tone. Lots of ways to create that. Just be careful. If you feel pain, I would say stop. There's always a better choice if there's pain, but you can, if you don't support, if you let the air pressure go down and you talk under a pencil, and if you had held a pencil at your mouth, really supported, well-supported tone comes up and over the pencil. But if I go under the pencil, then I can fry a little bit and get a lot more raspy. And so there's that- lots of ways to do it. You just want to be careful with your vocal cords. Some people can do that for hours and no pain. People like me, we can do it for about two minutes and we're done. Then we quit because we can tell it's going to cause a problem. And so for an audition or a quick job, that's not really an issue then? No, for something short, for commercials, for a promo that's really quick, go for it. For an audiobook, I'd make another choice because you'd have hours and hours with that character possibly making that choice. And that's what can cause damage. It's, it's repetitive stress that causes damage. So in other words, it's hitting your vowels too hard each time. That's called harsh glottal onset. If you go, I eat another egg. First, that hurts people's ears, but also you're taking your cords and slamming them against each other each time. So if we add little H's on top of that, I eat another egg, it's much easier on the vocal cords. That's so funny. It, I, I teach that same thing. I teach for those hard vowels, combining words Yes, uh, as one word. I eat another, what did you say? Another egg? I eat I another, eat egg. another egg. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't say egg. I <laughs> eat another egg. Right. I mean, and people that do that, and not only are they hurting their vocal cords, but they sound like crap. <laughs> exactly. So that's called harsh glottal onset. So if you do it, it's really worth it to fix that one. The other one that causes um, repetitive stress injury is, again, staying on one note all the time. So I used to talk down here because I look very, very young. So I wanted to look adult. And so my staying down here on this note is part of what caused my nodes. Now it's okay to go up high. It's okay to come down low. We, could, we should borrow a page from the British and, and be able to come all the way up and all the way down. Because if we do that, we're using more of the vocal cords and we're able to not strain or stress one area. Not in voiceover, you, want to, you don't want to add too many notes. <laughs> but for your normal daily talking life, it's good to come up. It's good to come down and not stay on one note. That's so funny because I really teach uh, using 
depending on the person and what they're naturally like, a certain number of notes in your song. Uh, I use a lot of notes in my song as I consider, you know, I consider the lyrics, the script and the delivery is the music. And, you know, you've got the rests and you've got the whole note and the half note and all that. And so I consider it notes in your song. And um, I teach using a lot rather than say punching words, you color the words with, with using more notes in your song. I didn't know that was healthier, but oh, I, it's much healthier. I teach it because I do it in real life. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's, it's the people that stay on, in kind of in Cal, a California thing is to kind of fry out and stay on this note all the time. So this voice I'm using right now would not be good for me in 10 minutes. <laughs> I would lose my voice if I kept doing that. We're talking to Shauna Pennington Baird, the director of Seattle Voice Institute, about vocal health. Um, and we're going to be right back after this very short message. All right. We'll be right back after this short message. Julie Williams has been a voiceover coach for decades and has helped thousands of talents to launch a VO career, refine their VO performance skills, develop winning demos and marketing plans, and market themselves in voiceover. She's taught all levels from beginners to voiceover coaches. But don't take our word for it. Let's hear what some of Julie's actual students have to say. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, back when radio was still fun in Houston, Julie Williams came to me to help her put together her very first demo. And now, decades later, who do I go to for the tips and tricks of the trade and the direction and coaching I need? I go to Julie. After just one lesson with Julie Williams, I learned so much. One lesson. Old dog, meet new tricks. She's not just a great voice talent. She's a great director. And after all, we really need that, that voice in the back of our head that says, no, this is better, this way, this is a winning way, this is what I've learned. That's what she gives you. So go to Julie, listen to her, do what she says, so you too can perform to the best of your God-given ability. Julie isn't just a teacher who teaches during your time together. She's a coach who guides you through every step of your career according to your specific needs. You can find out more about Julie Williams Coaching at juliewilliamscoaches.com or by emailing her directly at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. And now, a few final words from Julie and her guest. Welcome back. We're talking to Shauna Pennington-Baird. Uh, she's the director of Seattle Voice Institute, a voiceover artist, and an expert in vocal health. And that's what we're talking about today because, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't have our voices, even though it's not the voice itself that, uh, that determines what we get, that's kind of the foundation. That's the tool that we use to show our acting skills. And so, Shauna, you mentioned that there were three small methods of vocalizing, which felt very large back when you were not able to talk or sing. Um, what are those three small methods of vocalizing? Sure. So the very first one is avoiding all harsh glottal onset. So for, we really want to have tiny micro H's, and I mean micro, so it takes practice, in front of every single vowel. So I could say, I'll do it wrong first, I eat another egg. That, that's going to really harm the vocal cords. Instead, it's you start by saying, hi, heat, another egg. I eat another egg. I eat another egg. To eventually, I eat another egg. You don't hear the H's, but they're all there. So if you had a, you know, if you're going to say integers or algebra, I'm not hitting those I and that A harshly. That's number one. 
Number two is making sure that you're going up and down and using all of the various notes in your song and taking breaks, making sure you stop, pause, breathe, and go up and go down, not staying all on one note. And the third one is avoiding glottal fry. Glottal fry is very, very in vogue right now. It's this wonderful sound when you actually only move one vocal cord a little bit and the other one doesn't move as much and it creates this sound. That's really extreme. But if you listen to a Pandora ad, you hear it in most of them. They'll say, um, and buy it today. There's this little bit of fry at the end. And that's, again, fine for commercials or something short. But if you're doing a long audiobook or a long e-learning, avoid all glottal fry. Keep it supported. The way to avoid fry, take that big diaphragmatic breath and come up and over the pencil through the vocal mask. And now I'm completely supported and there's no fry. Those were the three things, the only three things I did to fix my issues. And my nodes are completely gone. And you haven't had any nodes uh, since that time when you had to not talk for six weeks and not sing for nine months. Correct. And I went through an L&I experience. I was working. And so I had an L&I claim. And so about two years later, they went in, you know, to, to finish up the claim. And there was absolutely no vocal damage at all. So making those. And I, the other big one, which I should see number four, is I don't clear my throat ever. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I, the other day I told a student I don't clear it at all. And then I counted, I did it. I did it three times last week, but it literally three times. Instead I swallow. And it took ah, years, years to go. Nope. Don't, don't clear your throat. Just swallow. So when you start to get that mucus, anytime you clear your throat, it's exactly the same as coughing. It takes those tiny little vocal membranes and slams them together. Wow. So while we think we're helping and when I'm sick, I will clear my throat more, although I still try. Honey's great and swallow. I try very hard not to habitually clear my throat. Why is honey good? I don't know if I have any kind of scientific reason. I love it because it doesn't help the vocal cords. It goes down, you know, the throat or you're, you're the other side. For me, it just soothes everything and I'll do it. I'll do it about an hour before um, if I'm tired and I'll definitely do it afterward. So I like a little bit of hot lemon water, a little bit of cayenne, a little bit of honey. That's my favorite. My voice is tired and I need something for it. And then I hydrate like crazy. All voice artists should make sure they're hydrated 40 minutes before a gig. If you try to do it last minute, it won't work. But if you get good and hydrated 40 minutes prior, that'll also help with fatigue and clicking. And you need to take, you know, a minute to go pee, but <laughs> yeah, that just comes with the territory. You know, when I was in radio, I had this habit and we're talking decades of this habit of uh, clearing my throat every time I opened the microphone. I didn't even necessarily have to. It was more of a habit. So I guess I'm lucky that I haven't had destruction to my voice from that. Mm -hmm. And everyone's voice is different. Some people have cords of steel. And I've met a few of these people, they can, they can do screaming and action sounds all day long and they're fine. Same with singers. I've worked with a couple of rock singers recently who literally fry when they sing and they sound so good. And if I tried to do that, uh, I, would, I would not have a voice the next day. Yeah. So it just depends on your physical mechanism, how you breathe. If you've ever had damage, again, anyone who's been a dancer knows I had a hamstring pull when I was in, in, in eighth grade. I still have some issues on my left leg. Yeah. So the nodes I have in my voice, I also have a little, you know, PTSD around F sharp. You know, I know exactly where those nodes used to be. So when I'm warming up on the keyboard, I, I never forget. No, it's fine through there now, but I'm ultra, ultra careful. So when I do an audiobook, I literally really, I warm up for a good 15 minutes before I start. 
And then I really wash those. I watch the onsets and I watch my support. And the minute I feel myself start to get tired and suddenly I'm not as supported, I have to either stop or readjust. And then I can keep going four or five hours. So what about whispering? What does that do to the vocal cords? We should really never whisper. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful sound, but what we're doing, it's almost the opposite of fry. And we're, we're taking the vocal cords and we're adding extra pressure and we're making them work harder. So when we're sick, whispering's worse. We want to actually have a little bit of tone. Just having a little bit of tone is much healthier than any kind of whisper. And if you do that, if you put your fingers on the vocal you know, area in the throat, and you whisper, you can, you can start to feel the pressure that happens. And if you just add a little bit of sound, much, much healthier. So if you're sick, it's good to talk softer or not at all. Really, if you have any kind of swelling on the cords, the best, best medicine is no talking at all. Literally start using hand motions and watch, watch the little ways you use your voice. Maybe you have dogs and maybe you like to take your dogs out and train them in the park. One of the most common noises for dog training is ah, ah. <laughs> for don't do it. I had to quit doing that completely because those were two harsh glottal onsets. I had 10, 15 years ago, I had two German shepherds. And so they got to know two stomps, two stomps on the floor meant knock it off because I couldn't use my voice. That's because I, I snap my fingers twice, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. how. But the other thing that I learned from a trainer is this. Yeah, I use that all the time because that's safe. Even though it's a whisper, you can feel it. If you did it all day long, it might make you so stiff or, or sore, but I have no trouble with, with using with my, with my corgi. I talked to uh, Dave Fenoy the other day, um, a couple of weeks ago on, on a podcast, and he was telling me that he did, um, the union is striking right now mm -hmm. um, for video games against 12 companies. Mm -hmm. And the reason is one of the things they're, they're wanting is, um, vocal health is their issue. They want yes. to confine the sessions to two hours because he had a, um, one of the things he told me is he had a five hour session one time for a video game. And um, when that was over, he lost his voice for days and he had yes. to down a huge job that could have been for ESPN that could have been a lot of repeat work, but the producer was upset that he backed out at the last minute. And you know, there goes that producer for life. Right. Uh, what he, could he have done? Is there anything he could have done after that? Well, it gets tricky because once you're in that union job and they have a specific, I'm really hoping, hoping, hoping it's going to turn out that they will limit the action sounds to the end of the day and not more than an hour or two. Who knows where that will go? Uh, because really after doing for, you know, two hours, you're going to get tired. Now, if you are aware of, of that mechanism in your voice, really aware of your instrument, Pat Fraley teaches a really good technique where you ring and ring being ring, but you ring and then you open up to let the voice relax and then ring again. And that basically lets one third of the damage happen. So like an example would be, because if you can take that moment to let the voice relax in the middle of the sound, huge difference. So I think as voice actors, it's also on us, not just the gaming companies. We have to look at our voice and go, okay, I have 47 action sounds. I have to voice 18 of them are deaths. What can I do that's going to be very effective, very good, and safe for my voice? Mm -hmm. And ways to do that would be paying attention to how many times you do something called ring, watching out for that glottal fry. Can you do those, those laughs and all of that supported? And when I say support, I really do mean a diaphragmatic breath and then making sure that the sound comes up and out basically through the top of the face, 
not the bottom of the face. I call it over the pencil because you can remember that. So if you're doing some great witch's cackle, do it over the pencil if you have to do it for four hours. If you only have a couple of them, you can do a ha, 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 that's really low. But that's the stuff that gets you. So, so as voice artists, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. As voice artists, we need to know our instrument and know, okay, these are the sounds I can make for an hour. These are the sounds I can make for five minutes. And then it's on us to take a look at that script and be proactive. So would you say that over the pencil is pretty much safe? Under the pencil is uh, something that needs to be done in definite moderation? Carefully, depending on the voice. So if Dave was swollen after six hours, which I can see why he would be, of course, any, I think pretty much anybody would be. We, you'd have to take a good look and say, all right, I've got a six-hour call. If that many voice sounds, can I take the next day off? And if you can't, that's going to get really tricky. He would then have to figure out what choices can I make the day of the voiceover gig that would protect. So I'd make more protective choices. Right. If I'm, so for example, if I'm singing, I know that if I'm singing a show on Saturday and I have two shows, <laughs> example in the singing world, I have two shows Saturday and a one show Sunday, I tend to take it easier in the five o'clock show on Saturday or the two o'clock show. I still sing well, but I am being very careful with my voice because I know I have a Saturday night show and a Sunday two o'clock. Right. It's my job to keep my voice safe for that, those, those three shows that are right back, back, back. We've been talking with Shanna Pennington Baird on the VoiceOver Insider podcast. Shanna, thank you for um, joining us today. It's been awesome. Very, very enlightening. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week with another great VoiceOver Insider podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're glad you were able to join us today. Feel free to email Julie with any questions at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Morning Joy Lynn, who can be reached at morningjoy at voeditor.com. And of course, thank you for listening. Till next time, I'm Paul O'Connor, along with Julie Williams, wishing you prosperity in all you do.